back to the Biblical Principles Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have your Bible, you can find your place there in the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 17. The book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 17. The Bible says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I just want to pen knife that statement, the will of God, out of this verse and bring you a simple little podcast today on the thought of the will of God. It's important. It's extremely important. And I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the will of God and I'm going to divide it up into two categories. And I do this just for simplicity. You can divide it up into three. You can divide it up into five. I divide it up into two for simplicity. It makes it easy to teach. It also makes it very easy for me to explain to a young Christian the will of God for their life. But here in the book of 1 John, we find out that the world is going to pass away. The world is, is of very little value when you look at it with all its fortune and fame. But the will of God abides forever. And that person who does the will of God abides forever. And the rewards that you'll receive for doing the will of God abide forever. It's very difficult with a finite mind to understand eternity and the importance of serving God. But I can guarantee you this, there will be no regrets in eternity if you do the will of God for your life. Let's go over to the book of Matthew, chapter number 7, in verse number 21. The book of Matthew, chapter 7, in verse number 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. The will of my Father. Jesus makes this very clear here that the Father has a will for us to do. And then quickly over to the book of John, chapter 6, in verse number 37. The book of John, chapter 6, in verse number 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come unto me, and he that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Very quickly before we get into the podcast for today, I want you to understand that before you do the will of God, you need to be saved. You need to have that personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There needs to be a time in your life when you realized you were a sinner separated from God. You realized that you couldn't save yourself, that there was no good works you could do to merit eternal life. But you realized that Jesus paid your sin debt when he died on the cross, and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, surrendering your will to his will, surrendering your way to his way, and committing to serving him for your life, turning from sin to God. So you have to be saved to be able to do the will of God. But after you're saved, we're going to get into just some basic general principles for the will of God. And I use this term general because I want you to understand that this is for everybody. Every man, woman, boy, girl needs to have these general principles in their life. Number one is found in the book of Psalms, chapter 119, in verse number 11. The book of Psalms, chapter 119, in verse number 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against God. The first thing that you need to do under the general will of God is you need to read your Bible. 
You need to read your Bible. Very simply, there is no way for you to hide the Word of God in your heart if you don't know it. There is no way that you understand what right from wrong is in the eyes of God if you don't read His book. And it's important that you do other things as a Christian, but one of the general principles for the will of God is to read your Bible. You need to have a time set aside where you read your Bible, where you spiritually are able to glean from the Word of God, where you take the Word of God and you apply it to your heart and to your life. It, it needs to be systematically done in your life. And I'm not talking about sitting down and reading 10 chapters every morning or 10 chapters every night. I'm not going to sit here and put a, a specific time that you need to read it. Some people read better at night. I personally read better in the morning. Right now, what I'm doing every morning, and this, this changes. You, you, can, you can mix it up, but right now what I'm doing is it's the, let's just say today is the 10th, the 10th day of the month. Well, I read Proverbs chapter number 10, and then I read Psalm chapter number 10, and I try to get something out of the Word of God. It doesn't, that doesn't have to be what you do. I've heard some people say they read a chapter in Genesis, a chapter in Proverbs, and then a chapter in Matthew, and they advance one chapter every day until they read through the whole Bible. That's fine. I don't mind that. I've also heard of people who just read one verse, and they try to get God to speak to them out of that verse. But it is very important that you read the Bible. You need to memorize the Bible. You need to hide the Bible in your heart as far as just a general principle that you need to apply for your life as you try to do the will of God. Then the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 in verse number 17. Pray without ceasing. Under the general will of God, number one, you need to read your Bible. Number two, you need to pray. Now, right here, he encourages us to pray without ceasing, which does not mean that I'm supposed to spend the whole day on my knees. However, there's nothing wrong with occasionally trying to spend hours or a day in prayer. But what he's saying here is you need to have communion with God. If you're a young Christian, let's say you've only been saved a month. I, I would say that you need to try to pray in the morning and read your Bible in the morning before you go to work. Don't try to pray for two hours. It's going to get dull and dry. And you say, well, you should have a prayer life. Yeah, you should have a prayer life, but you should exercise yourself unto godliness. And that's, that's very simply a principle you can apply and realizing that you are not going to build physical strength without some time spent doing that particular exercise. And it works the same way spiritually. You're not going to build spiritual strength. You're not going to be able to pray for two hours right off the bat as a normal. That's not the normal operating procedure for a Christian. I'm sure there are some people who've done it. But you need to develop yourself and say, hey, I'm going to develop a prayer life. I'm going to communicate with God. I'm going to talk to God. And that doesn't have to be some formal rhetoric, but it does have to be a time where you set time aside and talk to Him. And don't talk to Him with a bunch of fancy words. Just talk to Him like you'd talk to your father, your earthly father or your earthly mother, or talk to Him like you would talk to one of your friends and pray the will of God. You need to read your Bible, and you need to pray. And then Malachi chapter number 3 
in verse number 8 through 10. The book of Malachi, chapter 3, in verse number 8 through 10. Will a man rob God? Yet ye, ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Number three, under just the general will of God, you need to give. You need to tithe 10% of your gross income, and you need to give. Does that mean you need to give $100 a week? If you're making $1,000 a week, yes, you need to tithe $100 a week. But you also need to try to give in special offerings, try to give to missions. The, the Bible is very clear here in tithes and offerings. God does not want you robbing him. God gives us a percentage of money. God blesses us with talents. And I don't, I don't really want to get into tithing, okay? I, that needs to be another podcast for another day. But the general will of God is for you to give, for you to give, Give of your money, give of your time, give of your talents. That's just the general will of God for every man, woman, boy, or girl who's ever been saved by the grace of God. They need to accept the fact in their life that God's given them a lot, and they are required by God to give some back to Him. Then the book of Proverbs chapter 11 in verse number 30. The book of Proverbs chapter 11 in verse number 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. You need to be a witness. You need to be a light. You need to provide a gospel testimony to a lost and dying world. This can be by verbally testifying of Jesus Christ to your friends and families, your co-workers. This can be by giving out gospel tracts. This could be by putting a bumper sticker on your car. And I'm not necessarily saying I'm for a bunch of bumper stickers all over the back of the window, but anything you can do to be a witness is the general will of God for your life. So right now we've got just general will of God. Every man, woman, boy, or girl needs to read their Bible. They need to pray. They need to give, and they need to be a witness. And then for number five, let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 25. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 in verse number 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You need to go to church. You need to go to church every time the door is open to be faithful to your local church. I, one of my one of the, I guess you'd say, burrs under my saddle sometimes is when people take the pastor's time up with all these counseling sessions. They're not a member of the church. They will occasionally show up to church, and then they want all the counseling and all the time of the pastor. Do you realize that the pastor of the church gives three counseling sessions a week. He gives a midweek service. He gives a Sunday morning service, and he gives a Sunday evening service, usually, typically. That's your typical church service. There's also a Sunday school service, which would be four sessions a week that you need to at least be faithful to 
before you start going to him and asking him 100,000 questions. And I'm not saying you shouldn't approach the pastor, but the general will of God is for you to be faithful to your local church. You know what I've found in the Christian life? A lot of times my questions get answered as I'm sitting in church. The, the man of God will stumble across the answer to my question. He doesn't know it. God used him to answer the question that I had in my life because I was performing the general will of God and going to church. So as we look at a young Christian, as we look at somebody who's wanting to serve God, as we look at somebody who's wanting to go forward for God, we need to understand that there's five things that are just the general will of God for their life. They need to be reading the Bible. They need to be praying. They need to be giving. They need to be a witness, and they need to go to church. Before they go on to what I, what I consider to be the special will of God for their life, because this is what happens. A young man will get saved and just this will be a general illustration. That's that's a that's a fitting term, right? I say a young man gets saved. He's been saved about a week and a half, and the first thing he wants to do is pastor the church. He's sure he's called to preach, and he wants to preach the Bible, and he don't even know the books to the Bible. You know what he's done? He's stepped over the general will of God and tried to get to the special will of God for his life. And he has done that. God did not do that because God uses a plan and a formula. He's a God of order. He wants people to be committed to him before he gives them what I call the special will of God. Now, there's several things about the special will of God you need to understand. It's individual specific. It's individual specific. It is a it is an individual specific thing, meaning this, it is going to be custom fit just for you. Number one, the book of Amos chapter three in verse number three. Amos chapter three in verse number three. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Number one, under the special will of God for your life is marriage, is marriage. This is a big thing. If, if you miss this, it could cost you dearly in the future. I want to look at two things under marriage. Number one is going to be doctrine. That's what I believe about the Bible. What I believe about the Bible. If you're going to marry someone, this is a boy looking at a girl or a girl looking at a boy. It applies both ways. Both of them need to agree doctrinally. They, a person who is, let's just use, well, I used Calvinism a couple weeks ago. Let's just use they're a Calvinist. They don't need to marry somebody who is a, who is a Jehovah Witness. You know why? Because their doctrine does not agree. Their doctrine does not agree, and that's going to cause problems in the future. So as you look at the special will of God for your life, marriage is a big one. You need to agree doctrinally, but also you need to agree standard-wise. You need to agree standard-wise. You need to have the same standards for your life. The places you go, the people you interact with, that needs to be the same standard. Why? Because you're performing 
the special will of God for your life. As you move into number two under the special will of God for your life, and you don't have number one right, number two is almost impossible to accomplish because number one is critical. And you say, well, what do I do if I'm already married? And what you do is you serve God to the best of your ability, okay? You, you, you don't divorce and you don't remarry. You just serve God to the best of your ability. This is the thing about God. God can do anything with anybody, okay? So maybe you've made some mistakes in the past. Maybe everything in your life is not kosher, okay? Um, maybe you weren't raised in church. I was 23 years old before I ever even walked into the house of God and heard that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. 23 years old, raised in what's considered the Bible Belt, and I had no idea who Jesus Christ was. So I've got some baggage from my past life, okay? Some, some scars, some mistakes I've made because I did not know what was right. And God can work with that. Where I see the problem is I see people who know what's right, and they do the exact opposite from what they've been taught their whole life. And they'll go off and they'll, 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 they'll interact in a marriage experience all because she's got pretty blue eyes and he's got big arms, and that don't build a marriage. That don't build a marriage. And what happens is you, you can still perform the general will of God, but the special will of God has now been messed up for your life. And you say, well, you're being mean. I'm not being mean, okay? I love people. I love sinners. I love saints. I love people. But I cannot help but try to encourage those who have not made some of the same mistakes that I made not to make them, not to make them. And if you've made mistakes, you should be on my side and you should sit there and go, you know what? This man is speaking from the wisdom that he's experienced maybe in his own life. And I should heed that. I should agree with that. I should promote that to my children so they make the right decision in marriage. You know, there's four things. There's four things that the world, this is not Christian. This is not Christianity. This is not um, Muslims. This is not Buddhist. There's four things that the world has determined you have to agree on in order to have a happy marriage. Okay, this is not this is not a this is not a pastor study. This is a world study. A worldly person, a person who don't even know God, determined this. Number one, you got to agree on money. If he wants to spend it all and she wants to save it all, you're going to have problems in marriage. Number two, you got to agree on children. If he wants to discipline the children a certain way and she wants to discipline the children a certain way, or the mother-in-law or the father-in-law wants to put their two cents worth in on how the children are raised, you're going to have problems in your marriage. Number three, number three, what was number three? Oh, Lord, I should have wrote all this down. Number three is religion. Number three is religion. That's what I said at the beginning. You don't have, you have no business you have no business if you're saved marrying somebody who's not saved. You have no business if your doctrine teaches one thing and you have standards of life that teach one thing in your personal life. You have no business marrying somebody with opposite standards. Why? Because you're going to have problems in marriage because of religion. And number four is, is the bedroom. And I'm, for, I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting off topic here a little bit. 
just for time's sake, we don't want to sit there and dwell on that. But I think that's that's almost understood. If you don't agree in that area of the marriage, you're going to have problems. But, sir, I can say this. If every time you crawl in bed, she has a miraculous headache that comes on, you got a problem you need to fix, okay? She's not there just to be your fleshly gratification. You're supposed to love her and care for her and be there for her. Women are emotional creatures. And as men, we need to try to um, understand that. You can understand that by reading books. And I'm not saying you understand a woman by reading books. I've been married 20 years. I've read a lot of books. And I can honestly say that I'm probably more confused than I've ever been in my entire life about women. But I can say this. Well, let's go over Let's go over to the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 in verse number 7. The book of 1 Peter chapter 3 in verse number 7. You're probably wondering how I how I do this now that I've got completely off my notes. Uh, as I do a podcast, don't think that I got all this wrote out and I just read it off a piece of paper. We've we've totally deviated here. There's a lot of cutting and editing behind the scenes that happens while I do a podcast. So I've now got you over in the book of First Peter chapter number three in verse number seven. And basically what I'm going to do is cut that out. I'm just reading out of the Bible what's said here, but I'll cut that part out where I was turning pages. You'll never know it was there, but um, I don't want you to think that this is all systematic. It's not. I feel like the Lord might be leading in this direction to help somebody, to help somebody. Okay, I don't know. I don't know who's listening. I know we've got people that listen all around the world, all around the world, which which humbles my heart when you think about it. But um, all right, back to the lesson for today on the will of God. First Peter chapter three and verse number seven. The Bible says this: Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. I want to pull this out of the verse. The Bible says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. Knowledge, that means that you know her. You have a knowledge of her. It does not mean an understanding. It means you know her. For instance, the typical question, and we're getting way off subject here. We're riding down the road, me and my wife. Where do you want to eat at? You know what she's always going to say? I don't care whatever you want. Okay, well, uh, I want crystals. And she says, well, I don't want crystals. So I'm like, okay, well, now I'm really mixed up because she said she didn't care. You, You see how this fight's going? And that causes a fight. Here's what I say. Where do you want to eat at? I don't know. It's up to you. I already know what her restaurants are that she likes. So you know what I do? I just drive to one of them restaurants. You know what? I know at that restaurant, whichever one it is, there's two or three things that she's going to order typically, okay? And it's usually going to be a smorgasbord of different assortments off different things. So she's going to have to make that decision herself and tell me and we'll order it. But you know what she's really wanting? She's just wanting me to quit looking at the stupid cell phone and sit down and eat a meal, whether it's a hamburger at Wendy's or a steak at Cracker Barrel, or whatever restaurant you want to put in there. She's just wanting me to spend a little bit of time with her. She don't care about where we eat. She just wants to talk. Do you know how I learned that? Because I know her. I know her. And mark this down, young lady. Mark this down. 
If this guy cannot stay off his cell phone long enough to talk to you right now, when you get married, he's going to have that thing stuck in his ear all the time. Man, I'm getting mean, ain't I? Boy, this is totally deviated. He's not going to change once he gets married. If he's got an issue now, he's going to have it when he gets married. If you're marrying him and he's always playing on the cell phone, popping bubbles or playing games or, oh, Lord God, I might have to edit this whole thing out and redo it. Then that's what, he, that's what you're marrying. You're going to marry somebody who's constantly on the cell phone. And what I'm going to say here, just by way of generalization for the special will of God, let's try to get back on subject, is that you need to look at his life and realize, hey, he's got this flaw and I can guarantee you this, it's going to do nothing but multiply by three or four times once you marry him. And it's the same thing, young man, if you're looking at a girl and she has a flaw, even though she's got pretty blue eyes, that flaw is going to magnify three to four times what it is now once you get married. Okay, if you want a wife that gets up at four o'clock in the morning, and I'm just using this as a general illustration, and cooks you breakfast, and she don't get out of bed until 10 o'clock now. She's not getting up at four when you get married. That might last about a week. She's going to be ornery and tired, okay? So that being said, let's just try to get back on subject here with the special will of God. And um, for some reason, I just can't, I can't get the liberty to get off this. You need to understand if he is not serving God now, he's not going to serve God when you get married. If she's not serving God now, She's not going to serve God when you get married. If they just warm the pew and show up right when the doors are opening, at, if your service starts at 7 o'clock and they're there every single service at 6.59, don't think you're going to be there 45 minutes early. They're going to be just as late as they were once you get married. If they miss on Wednesday night, they're going to miss on Wednesday night when you get married. You're not going to change them. You're not going to change them, and it's a... It's an important decision with the special will of God. And this is why, because you'll ruin the will of God for your life, specifically if you don't make the right choice. All right, let's go on to number two now and get back with our verses here. The book of Acts, chapter number 13 and verse number two. The book of Acts, chapter number 13 and verse number two. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate, me, Barnabas, and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. The second thing under the special will of God, number one was marriage. Number two is the work, the work you're going to actually do for God. This is something that you can do that nobody else can do. God gives every man, woman, boy, or girl a talent that they can use for the Lord. A good saying for the will of God is this, do all you can where you're at, and when God wants to, he'll move you. Okay, so as we work for God, we need to realize the importance of doing that special work for God, that talent that you have that nobody else has. It's taking advantage of the opportunity. Maybe you have an ability to speak. Well, maybe God wants you to teach Sunday school. Well, then that's the special will of God for your life. And it doesn't have to be some great work. Maybe you have a good detailed eye and you can, you can organize flowers real well. Well, maybe the will of God for your life, the special will of God is for you to set the flowers out on the, on the platform or the pulpit or wherever, wherever you have a flower display at. Maybe that's something that you can do. And this is just, 
general talk, but the special will of God is that specific work that God wants you to do. Maybe it's go to, maybe it's go to Azbakistan and be a missionary. Maybe it's start a radio ministry. Maybe it's do a podcast. Maybe it's work at a nursing home ministry. Maybe it's get involved in the prison ministry. Maybe it's just pass out gospel tracts at your local um, um, flea market, doing those, doing those things day in and day out that are considered the special will of God. But in order to do these special things, you're going to have to read your Bible, pray, give, be a witness, go to church. You're not going to do a work for God if you're not doing the general will of God for your life. The special will of God is not going to come to you. Why? Because you're not accomplishing just the basic things in your life. The book of Matthew chapter 25 in verse number 23. The book of Matthew chapter 25 in verse number 23. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Once you get the work of God for your life under the special will of God, be good and faithful at it. Be faithful. Be consistent. I've been in church 20 plus years now, and nothing breaks my heart worse than seeing a man, woman, boy, or girl who gets involved in doing something, and they do it until the glory wears off, and then they fall out. And you know what? In about another two years, they'll pick up another work that supposedly God has called them to do. The glory will wear off, and they'll fall out. Once God calls you to do something under the special will of God, you do it with all your heart until the end. Be a good and faithful servant. If if your job is teaching teaching the nursery class, you're teaching, what, what would that be, fours and fives. I think it's fours and fives at our church. Or maybe below four. I guess it would be below four. Boy, there's a lot of rambling in this podcast. You're getting, you're getting the true Jason Epley here because he has deviated totally from his notes. Um, let's say it's fours and belows. Those kids are not at a competency level to understand the dispensation principles. They're not. So what you do is you just teach them, teach them the song, Jesus Loves Me. And you know what? For 30 years, teach them the song, Jesus Loves Me. My kids come to me now. They've been in church their whole life, and they talk about being in the nursery, learning those little songs. That's important. And you know what? There was a Sunday school teacher who was faithful to teach them those little songs, and it made an impact on their life. And when you get in the special will of God, you're doing a work for God that makes an impact in somebody else's life. It doesn't matter how small the task is. Even if you just go to the pastor and say, hey, pastor, we got a, we live on a main, we live on, we go to church on a main road. There's always trash out through there where everybody rides down the road and they throw stuff out or stuff blows out the back. Maybe you go to the pastor. If you're old enough, don't get around the road, dismiss myself from liabilities. Don't get around the road if you're a small child and get get injured. But if you're old enough, say, hey, preacher, maybe every Sunday morning for service, I could just walk down the road with a bucket and pick up the garbage. You know what the preacher's going to say? Get you a bucket and go at it. But once you start picking it up, you pick up garbage every Sunday. 
from now until God moves you on to something else. Why? Because you're going to be good and faithful at what you're doing. It's important. The work of God, the special will of God for your life is important, and you need to figure out what it is and be good and faithful in doing it. One of the greatest illustrations I've ever seen for just doing the will of God, if you turn over to the book of Genesis, chapter number 50, in verses 25 through 26. The book of Genesis, chapter number 50, in verses 25 through 26. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath, that's a promise, of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. That's important. Carry up my bones from hence. Verse 26. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Verse number 25. Carry up my bones from thence. You know what Joseph said when he died? He said this. He said, I'm a Hebrew, and I want you to bury me with my father's. I want to be buried in the place that Abraham was buried. But I'm in a strange land. So when God comes to visit you, you're going to take my bones out of here with you when you go. You say, what has that got to do with work for God? Well, let's go over to the book of Joshua, chapter number 24 and verse number 32. The book of Joshua, chapter number 24 and verse number 32. And the bones of Joseph which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. You say, what has that got to do with the will of God? If you study this out, there's some big, huge golden Bible nuggets in here. But this is what happened, generally speaking, for the special will of God. There were some men when Moses came and led and laid down plague after plague after plague after plague, and Pharaoh finally let them go, and they walked through the Red Sea. Out front is Moses, and there's a probably a great company of what you would call more important people in the company close to Moses. But if you look close to the back, and you got to look through the spiritual eye, somewhere coming through that Red Sea, there's a, there's a group of men carrying a coffin. They're carrying a coffin. For 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. And you know what? As they wandered through all those places in that dry and dusty land, there was a group of men somewhere toward the back carrying a coffin. And you know what I believe happened, if I'm contextually right? That group of men probably died. But there was a group of young men, probably those men's children, who said, you know what? Dad carried this coffin through the Red Sea because we took an oath of Joseph, and we're going to carry this coffin all the way to that, to that sepulcher. 
And so those young men picked that coffin up and started carrying it all the way through the Red Sea, through the wilderness wandering. It changed generations. If you look close through the spiritual eye around the walls of Jericho, there's a group of men in the back carrying a coffin. Across the Jordan, they carried the coffin. And one day they got to the point where they found the sepulcher. And they said, this is what, this is what we said we were going to do. Because our fathers committed to doing this. And they laid those bones in there. A man they never met. A man they never met. You know what they did? They did the special will of God for their life. And it looked so unimportant while they were doing it. I'd imagine during that time, there were times they probably said, you know what, we could just bury these bones here. But then one of them said, no, that's not the will of God for us. We're going to carry these things all the way to the end. And you know what they did? What you'd consider to be a meaningless task, carrying a coffin around the wilderness. But God thought enough of it to put it in his word. You know why? Because they did the special will of God for their life. You can make that application in so many different ways. You see the stories all through the Bible. And if you want to pull that up to modern terms, there's people who clean the church and get very, very little recognition from it unless it's done wrong. But you know what they're doing? They're just saying, this is where God put me, and I'm going to do the will of God for my life. Just be the best that you can be where God puts you and do the will of God for your life. Well, I want to close today. I think we're just going to close right there. I think it'd just be the will of God we close right there. i got a few more things, but I've got a feeling this has been a little long, and I do pray it was a blessing to you. I hope it was an encouragement, and, and maybe there's somebody out there who needed this. I, I'm 100% sure that God changed this because there was somebody who needed it. Whether they listen to it now or 20 years from now, there's somebody who God wanted to hear this message. And... um I pray it will be a, a help and a benefit to you. Let's just um, let's just close in prayer, and then we'll be done for today. God, thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast. I do pray you bless the listeners. Pray you work in their heart and their life. I pray for that one that this podcast was for. It's possible, God, that you're trying to change a life before a life gets messed up. And I pray, God, you do that work in that heart. And I pray, God, you'd give us all grace. And I'm asking this not because of how good I am, but because of how good you are. I love you, and thank you for being so good to be in my family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.